Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, 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 Mr. Feldman. We have a CBA agreed to very late, just before the deadline on Friday night. Kind of interesting that this is when they chose right before the playoffs all this interesting stuff in in the season would have been nice if this happened you know december 15th when nothing was going on but hey that's fine we'll uh (laughs) we're gonna get to it here so i wanted to ask you and well first off i want to say this just congratulations to everyone who worked on that i I know you and i both uh, talked to people who were working on this it was clearly a marathon session on that last day and i think as much as people have been wanting to like crap on adam silver lately i've said this recently on the pod but now that it's confirmed it's worth reiterating it's not taken for granted that we have labor peace there were two lockouts in three cbas before adam silver took over and yeah like the money's been growing and and everyone says oh it's there's too much uh, nobody wants to kill the golden goose at this point but you know all these other sports uh, have growing tv money as well and yet they had all this animosity over their cbas and you know you had like the nfl players like barely approving theirs and it like not being recommended and, and then all this shit about covid and like so and the adjustments there with both baseball and football so this is impressive to me it's a feather in the cap to everyone involved i just congratulate everyone for getting a deal done that's why they negotiate to get a deal done uh maybe we'll start here well no we'll do this at the end first thing i want to ask you what do you think is the most significant thing that is going to be changed we're going to talk about this and you might talk me out of this but my gut answer is a weird one i i think this is definitely the most underrated part I, i'm going to just say it off the bat as most significant licensing revenue is now going to be considered part of basketball related income mm. it was estimated to be about 160 million dollars mm. next year in the past that went straight to the owners now so much of i think there are two fundamental issues in the cba um at this point because they're not changing the split other than this between owners and players it's that basic 49 to 51 percent split basically 50 50 we can just call it 50 50 for simplicity that's determined by formula that was locked in that wasn't changing everybody agreed to keep that as is and so after that it's really so a lot of this is about how owners are going to split up their half amongst themselves and how players are going to split their half among themselves and then the other goal for both sides is to grow the pie to create a system that people that fans are going to be attracted to that's going to create an entertaining product that fans want to watch so the pie is even bigger so those are the the two things other than this this is new money for the players 160 million dollars uh if if you look at it i mean this is just real rough but 
but uh, if you take half of that to the players, that's $80 million. If you look at a full roster for everybody in the league, that's $150,000 per player. Like, that's a big deal. Uh, that's new money. That's that's the one thing I'm looking at where it's not about how we're going to split the money among the players or how we're going to split the money among the owners. It's new money for the players. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And particularly given the trend in basically all sports and particularly this one of Mm -hmm. BRI getting chopped off from 57% down to that basically 50% in the 2011 CBA. And there basically has been no discussion of increasing the revenue. And then also, I mean, we still don't really know anything about this. Uh, but this idea that the players can actually invest in the franchises like and Hoopsype had a great graphic comparing franchise values growth over time to the growth in player salaries and the growth in franchise values has quite outpaced that so giving players a chance to invest in this through this private equity firm i think that's a a very interesting deal as well i have no idea how it's going to work in terms of like do you get to keep it if you're not in the league anymore or what happens if the team gets sold or whatever like that that's all fascinating i think though uh but congratulations to the players again for getting that to happen (sighs) As I mean, well, are, are, you think it's just it's uh, it's all window dressing or what? I mean, I mean, the details will matter on that, right? Yeah. At some point, NBA franchise values are going to peak. I don't know if we've hit that moment. It's been predicted at different times. Well, it hasn't well the growth yet. in them is going to peak. You think they will actually begin to decline in absolute terms? I mean, if you look at what's going on with cable television, I I have some questions long term. Obviously, this next cable TV deal is going to be very lucrative to the league. But as the system changes, maybe there's a certain point where uh, local governments wake up and stop handing NBA owners money for arenas, and that dips into that cuts into the value of teams. Things can change. It's very it's an investment, right? Players are now allowed to make an investment, and you might invest in an NBA team and see that investment not pay off, or maybe it doesn't even not pay off maybe it doesn't pay off as well as other investments that you could have made it looks like this great investment opportunity at the moment i'm not as convinced as it is like how does it work what what if no owners want to sell their shares right now or like when an owner sells you get a chance to buy shares at, at what uh, price do you get to buy it of what teams i there's a lot of questions about the details why i'm not certain this is necessarily going to be yeah. a meaningfully good thing for players we, sorry, we should probably save that until we find out a, a little bit more but still even to get some lip service and some window dressing Mm. on that like that does open a pandora's box a little bit this is the first of its kind and you don't see this a lot in in most industries and particularly not one where values have exploded the way they have here and so we could discuss whether we think franchise values will continue going up another time but yeah i agree that bri to get more into the pot for the players that is very surprising to me i, I would say yeah that's particularly because we hadn't heard anything about that mm-hmm. that is uh, surprising to me that that got added in and uh no and i think also that's something where now players have more incentive to help with the promotion of licensing and stuff like that too so all right that's yeah i mean i don't that might be the most surprising i mean i think it's probably significant to the parties themselves what would you say for us as fans analysts consumers of the game people you know salary cap analysts what do you think is most significant in terms of like what will be the biggest change i think it's the second apron which is far closer to a hard cap 
than I ever thought the players would go for. It's a it's a fascinating system. With all of these, there are questions about exactly what it looks like, where the details we're getting uh, are somewhat vague, right? Some of these specific details are going to matter, but man, it sounds like the second apron might be a radical shakeup. So the second apron, essentially what it is, and I like it much better than the hard cap. I also like it much better than the just increasing the tax to just an unbelievably punitive level. I think that they had success in limiting spending and limiting what the best teams could do. I think that in some ways, the first apron and its limitations, not acquiring players in sign and trade, smaller mid-level exception, etc. I think that to me had greater success in limiting the dominance of high spending teams than just having a higher tax did by far. Like not being able to get a player in a sign and trade if you're over a certain amount, that's huge. That's mm-hmm. Because that was basically like, you know, especially with how much more sign and trades have become prevalent now. Like, if a really good player could go to a team that was already really good in free agency, even just even if it's by a sign trade, even if that team didn't have cap space and he was going to leave for nothing, and it's like, well, here, take what this team with cap space can give you. Like, that was massive. That taking that away was massive. You know, the last sign and trade that we saw for a team that was like over the tax was Steve Nash, and that was pretty much it uh, to the Lakers. So I think that if the goal is to not allow higher spending teams to dominate and to just win just because you're willing to write a bigger check and you have more of you like i actually i don't like that I, I don't like that necessarily what bothered me was when there was a feeling with the just straight up hard cap that you're gonna you essentially would lose bird rights on players you couldn't just re-sign your own players anymore like that really would have bothered me and in fact it, the reporting from Woj on his podcast which i recommend everyone listen to was that yeah the reason that hard cap fell out of favor was that teams like he mentioned cleveland for example that had even if there are small markets that wanted to keep their team together that were willing to spend had homegrown talent wouldn't be able to do so if there was a hard cap now they can do that but you basically now what it is is i think it's what it's going to be is like 17 million 17 over over the tax is yep. where it's going to start i assume that'll increase with the bands which we'll talk about in a second too but essentially what it's going to be is now you don't get a mid-level exception at all, uh, not even the taxpayer mid-level, and you also cannot add salary in trades. You got to either reduce salary or you have to you can only take back 100% of what you're sending out. So you're basically the only way you can add salary is the minimum rookie scale exception. There's going to be a second round exception now too. So it's basically like you can't make moves where all you're bringing to the table in terms of the move is we're willing to spend more. You have to have brought something else there, such as, oh, we drafted this guy and developed him and now we're going to pay him, you know, something like that. Uh, so I actually, I think that's okay. I, I, don't know, I don't know what your opinion is on that, but I think that that's, if, especially if they're going to have more of a curb for these type of teams, I think they did it the best way that they could if you accept the premise that some sort of a limitation has to be put on. I do accept that premise, but... Uh, just real quick to to add, it's even more restrictive than you said. You already you gave the biggest restrictions, but there's more. You can't uh, send out cash in a trade. You can't okay. trade first round picks seven years away. It's not clear yeah, like so, you said so six you away, five six, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it could be five. It's not clear where that line is. Uh, you can't. Well, sign yeah, I think you can players. only trade six out, six years out instead of seven. Okay, I haven't seen. And that's six. how I interpreted that. At least again, you know, we'll update yeah. this if we find out more. No, none of us. We've we've got a bunch of tweets. That's that's our right. and like a, a conversation here and there that I've had. That's basically our 
our understanding of this at this point. You you can't sign a player in the buyout market. How that's going to be defined? Uh, oh, that's uh, yeah. I didn't see that one. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's from Woj. Um, I don't know. Mark mark what time we are into this podcast. It, it took longer than I thought, but I'm going to say it for the first time. Unintended consequences. Okay, so if you're over the second apron, you, the other way, you, you like you said, it's it's first round picks, it's second round picks, it's minimum salaries to add salary, and the other thing you can do is resign your own players. So our teams are the Clippers, and there, there's also been some reporting that a lot of these changes are kind of going to be eased in and i don't know what that looks like there's so many different ways they could do that but it's not going to be in your one of the cba necessarily that this is a hard limit and this is exactly how it works but a yeah, team like so, the clippers that yeah. i think are committed to spending big i think steve Ballmer is willing to spend big and create whatever advantage he can get out of that well what if the clippers just say all right we're going to use this time to get way way above this this aprons get our spending up because once our spending is up if we look at we could re-sign you know the, our 15th man for 15 million dollars and now we could trade him for somebody making less right all those players making less than 15 million now they are available to us otherwise they wouldn't be so these teams could get they could have a goal of getting way above the apron because you can't get up there like once you're once you're not there it's going to be way harder to get up there but there's still an ability to stay up there and so i think you're going to create some weird spending incentives and i'm going to give one big caveat there's so many things we don't know about how this works there could be something that changes this but i'm not seeing any reason that a team couldn't take that approach and so you might end up with the clippers having an even larger spending advantage over the rest of the league yeah i mean you could see and again like i'm sure that there are many ways that this is going to work that the framers will have thought about they're probably even some of the stuff they probably even haven't fully negotiated yet they're probably still talking a lot of it through you know, this hasn't even been there's no fully written document for everyone to ratify yet i mean i, I have no doubts that it, it, the deal is done but it, it's still you know working groups have to go through it and all that but yeah you could think of something along the lines of okay here how about this like we're gonna re-sign this guy that's not really any good that we don't want anymore with bird rights just because we have him let's sign him to a three-year deal for 15 million dollars a year totally non-guaranteed and then <laughs> guarantee whatever the, we need through the season oh hey we want to acquire a guy who makes eight million okay we'll guarantee eight million dollars of your salary we'll trade yeah. you to this other team the other team can cut you immediately and we just added eight million in salary right like the, you could definitely see some shenanigans like that and perhaps they'll figure out a way to rule out those sorts of things but then you'll also have this you know them be like if you think the bird rights trap is bad now yep yep what if you like you can't even make trades you can't even <laughs> you can't even use the mid-level yep. to replace a guy and yeah so not only is it just having the player but it's also keeping your salary up but i mean i'm, I'm sure some of these are like well hey like i mean that might be unintended consequences but it still is limiting yeah there might be like some ways around it hey if, if the clippers if their answer to this is like we want to we need to re-sign uh you know uh, marcus morris to 25 million dollars a year and that's how they're going to get around it they want to just they really want to spend their money that way and also hey well the luxury tax will now get distributed to us it, it still is making it pretty cost prohibitive to do that i, I think that's uh you know I, I don't i don't mind that too much i still think we'll, we'll see how exactly what the loopholes are but um 
So yeah, I mean, there may be some unintended consequences. I don't want to go too far on that until we know exactly how a lot of these are going to work. There is one obviously that has a hilarious unintended consequences that we'll uh, we'll get to, but I that I I'm really gl- think is dumb. But I, I'm glad you brought up the bird right traps, birds right bird rights trap aspect of this. I've, I've been workshopping like because if you're this team that's over the second apron, uh, it's more than just the bird rights trap as you mentioned. I've been workshopping. How about bird rights? Oh crap! Because you're in deep shit. Like, it is more than the typical bird rights trap for a good player, let alone where you're talking about of like signing a gimmick player for trade purposes. But somebody you actually want on your team, you're screwed. Yeah. I, I, and so this is going to make, I think also, frankly, this is kind of interesting if we think about the consequences. And uh, once again, I mean, we can we could do an entire podcast on each one of these rules of the, so we're <laughs> going to try to make this more of an overview. I'm sure we'll get into more of it. You know, yeah, you know, maybe like uh, we'll, we'll do a whole like another two-hour episode once the CBA comes out, like right on the uh, the the day that all eight game ones uh, have been completed. You know, like the, about that. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think shit. Where was I now? I, I started getting mad that this is happening at, the, <laughs> at this time of year. <laughs> what was I talking about? Well, we're talking about the second apron and yeah. just how all right. so extreme. Oh, oh, no, be. I remember what I was gonna say. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences, hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, 
step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us i think we've gotten to the point now in trades where draft picks have probably been undervalued and perhaps we would have reached an equilibrium on it as it became clear that all these teams took big swings on players who weren't worth it and ended up giving up a lot of picks and ended up in the doldrums for years and years and years at a time for a payoff that wasn't worth it in the short term and i think you know the rudy gobert trade will probably always be looked at as the absolute nadir for draft pick value in trades maybe in <laughs> nba history uh you know not involving ted stepian i mean but uh, yeah. we already erased that Gavin garnett uh paul pierce trade <laughs> I mean, I think the Gobert trade is worse worse than that one, even at, at certainly at the time. At um, the time, but I think that, well, we don't need, there's enough to talk about rather than relegating that net Celtics trade. Well, okay, but, but let me finish there. So I think now this is going to increase the value of draft picks. Again, especially if it's like, hey, now you need cheap contributors even more. And hey, the only way that you can even build up your salary if you're a good team mm-hmm. is to draft and develop a player and then re-sign them. Another way, by the way, we can move on to this one, which I thought was pretty interesting, is that now you can do a rookie scale extension for five years, even if it's not the max. The uh, We can call it the Kenneth Fareed rule. <laughs> yes. So yeah, you could, you can, uh, and Dan, I look forward in the mock rookie extensions to getting your five-year extension <laughs> offer for the minimum. Minimum. Yeah, we, maybe we could call it the Giannis Antetokounmpo rule because it eliminates. There was kind of a fun decision teams face sometimes of, would you rather have a guy for cheaper but you can only do it for four years would you rather because you want them long term would you rather just pay them the max to get that fifth year where the bucks made that decision with Giannis, it sounds it sounds like uh it was it was up to Giannis, right uh, but that was a negotiation between the teams that got a little tricky and uh you know they they would have in hindsight they would have wished they could pay him more per year and have him for five it worked out because he resigned but it was a little more uh touch and go than they would have liked of course yeah and, uh, and so Jalen Brown is decision. in the exact same situation now for the celtics where they got mm-hmm. got him for less than the max um also speaking of of rookie extensions we're also going to get that the designated you can only have x number of designated players on your team which that was had first come into being because there's this concern that all the good teams were going to like assemble all the designated players that the poor smart small market teams had initially signed to their extensions and so then it became clear that uh what was it you called it unintended consequences (laughs) of, of that rule like 
actually a screwed over teams that you know were just trying to trade for guys that weren't even that good and b it also screwed over the small market team that had to trade say an anthony davis Mm -hmm. because the pelicans literally couldn't trade davis to the team that might have had the best package at the time which was the celtics (laughs) so right i'm glad they got rid of that one what do you think of are you in favor of five-year extensions for guys who don't make the max yeah that's fine i don't really i mean i i was always intrigued by those Giannis type decisions and so just to kind of remove those it, it takes away something that was interesting but sure it's fine you know to get a young player locked in long term who you like who's not a max player that makes some sense and the, i think the designated player aspect of it is just so overrated um everybody's brought up the cavaliers and the Cavs are the one team where it might matter at all because they already have donovan mitchell they have darius garland on their rookie scale designated players just, just to tell everybody the uh the current limit i guess it's still current is uh you could have two designated players who are rookie scale designated players and two who are uh veteran designated skill players you could have up to four on your team if they're the right type of designated player and then on the rookie skill ones you can only trade for one of them anyway with the Cavs, like there's such an easy workaround already where you can still give evan mobley the same max contract you would have just had to re-sign him as a restricted free agent you couldn't do it as an extension it's only designated player yeah, players, as an extension players don't seem to like that though they don't like it but how often are they in a position where your teammates with donovan mitchell and darius garland on a young ascending team yeah that's the type of situation where it's like okay i get it and so this makes it a little easier for the Cavs, but i don't think it's a big deal yeah i mean for me i and we could talk about this as far as like the veteran extension limit being increased uh, as well from 120 120 to 140 percent that i i I don't like extensions as much as a lot of people. I'm not sure that they're great for the league. I mean, by the nature of an extension is that it's more likely to lead to a player being woefully underpaid or woefully overpaid. And the longer the extension goes, the earlier you can sign it before the guy would have been a free agent. I generally like to see players get paid what they're worth. I think that just makes for a better league in general. So I think this is either probably more likely, I would say, to lead to a lot of bargain for teams where players just really want the security and you get that fifth year it's also going to lead to older draftees getting screwed because you know you come into the league at 22 you're 26 when you get that first extension it's five years you're 31 and now you're on the downside and you're not going to get another big contract you're going to basically get one bite at the apple for a good contract for a lot of these guys if you add another year on so I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't love it. I mean, I think it's like you would say why they could have done this as a restricted free agent. But the difference with the restricted free agent is he's already navigated another year. You have an understanding, so yeah, you can obviously ex- uh, give a guy a five-year contract for less than the max as a restricted free agent, which you can't as a or you couldn't before as a in an extension. And I think they wanted to match those up, like you noted. But I, I, I mean, this isn't a big deal. But I, I wouldn't. I generally just don't like extensions that much. I, I agree with you on your concerns of. On extensions, as far as the older player, he doesn't have to sign for five years. That's a choice he makes. Yeah, but it's also a choice that, uh, as we get into like the 120%, 140%, 
One question that I wondered was who was against increasing the amount that you could uh, increase a veteran's extension, right? Because it used to be 120% of prior salary or for the guys who were making like the minimum or, or less than the estimated average player salary, it was 120% of the estimated average player salary in the year the extension was signed. And now I assume it'll be 140% of all those. Well, again, that's an assumption we'll see. And I was wondering like, who was the one, obviously the players would want there to be more extension. So I, it probably would have had to be the owners who were arguing that like not just have it be hey you can pay a guy up to the max in an extension and so i was like why would the owners want that like wouldn't they want to be able to extend guys too and i think the best hypothesis i have is just that the owners wanted to be limited in what they can pay a guy so they can come to a guy and be like hey we're offering you the most that we can absolutely 100 percent. yeah i mean it wasn't i remember when the extent rules got tightened a little they've been getting looser since but it's because there were a bunch of bad extensions signed and so they the owners want protection from themselves a little bit i if we can just take one as we get into veteran extensions yeah i know you talked about this with keith smith and this is more theoretical but i as i'm thinking about does 140 percent make more sense than 120 percent? and on just a basic level i'm not sure it should be at all tied to your previous salary like no of course it shouldn't what is nothing to do with anything <laughs> right like you shouldn't be punished as a team for signing a guy to a below market deal now you can't extend them yeah. and, and nor and, should and, you be punished as a player for outplaying it like you right should, right if anything or you the other get way more of a chance to make up the money that you yeah. didn't make before yeah but i get owners wanting to protect themselves and and so if if we if owners want to protect themselves and clearly have the leverage to get that if it's not based on prior salary uh it's what is it going to be based on like whether you made an all nba team or not we're adding to that like nobody likes that so it, it, if you want it based on something i get why it's prior salary but i could come up with a bunch of things that i think would be better than prior salary so this is, however, what the rule is. I, I'm in agreement with you there. So th there have been a number of players who have been highlighted as guys where their teams just couldn't extend them. I did caution it, it, for a lot of these, a couple of these guys just got traded for, like, right? Like Sabonis, DeJounte Murray, OG Ananobi, someone who's been on the trade block as well. So the most prominent examples here. And I was like, all right, let's see what's going to happen in the new CBA because these guys might be extendable. I'll admit 140%, maybe a little bit lower than I was expecting it to go up to. So for like some of these prominent guys, take us through what they could have made before, what they could make now, and you know whether that it would be palatable to them compared to waiting until free agency. So I ran these the numbers on four guys and uh, I know following along with all these numbers can be difficult uh if you're a dunk on prime subscriber i'm going to have these in the daily dunk so you can look at those two but we're going to talk about them so these are all players who are heading toward 2024 free agency who uh, would be in that seven to nine year experience range so our projected max for these guys is going to be uh if they resign with their current team about 242 million dollars it's gonna be about 187 million dollars through the first four years and the reason i like to split out the first four years is because that's the max length right now on an extension as far as we know that's not changing and this is probably a good time to give a big caveat uh that that we just want to make real explicit we don't know all the changes right just because we haven't heard a change on something doesn't mean it's not changing in the new cba it might just Absolutely. be we haven't heard of it so we're gonna kind of for these purposes assume there's no change but maybe we're gonna find out there was a change anyway uh so 
the the other thing we have learned is the the way they're going to do cap smoothing, and there's still some questions of that, and I know we'll talk more about cap smoothing, but the cap is only going to go up 10% per year. So the largest possible amount these guys can earn in free agency is going to be about $260 million and about $201 million through the first four years. Okay, so projected free agency let's just keep it through the first four years no if they go to free agency they get a fifth year that's worth uh somewhere between 55 and 59 million dollars but for simplicity let's keep it all first four years okay so if they go to free agency they can get somewhere between 187 million dollars and projected and 201 million dollars now let's yeah, start so, with so what's that in, in annual per year value that might be a little easier for people to to digest how about we do starting salaries? That'll be that'll be simple, right? It's going to be the same 8% raises regardless. So let's yep. do starting salaries in an extension versus free agency. So starting salaries, it's going to be 42 to $45 million in free agency. Okay. Uh, the four players I ran this for, Jalen Brown, DeMontis Sabonis, OG Ananobi, DeJounte Murray. So let's start with Jalen Brown. Uh, under the current system, it looked like his largest possible extension could be $37 million. Now, because of the increase, it could be 43 theoretically. It can't exceed that max. So if the max lands where it's projected at $42 million, it's going to be that $42 million. So essentially, he could sign a four-year max, a projected max uh, extension. If the salary cap comes in higher than projected, possible, he might come in a little below that max. Uh we're going to get to the caveat on this at the end. DeMontis Sabonis, it was looking like $23 million. Now it's looking like $27 million. But again, that max projects to be $42 million. OG Ananobi was looking like $22 million. Now looking like $26 million. But that $42 million projected max. DeJounte Murray was looking like $22 million. Now it's looking like about $25.5 million. Again, against that $42 million projected max. Now for any of these guys, if they make an all-NBA team, uh, well, not any of them, I guess, uh, right? So we're limited to uh, Jalen Brown and... Uh, OG Ananobi on this, but really we're talking about Jalen Brown. You make an all-NBA team, you can get that designated player extension. That's something completely different. So if he makes that, uh, wipe away all this math. For me, looking at this, if Jalen Brown doesn't make it, I think because he's so much more of a viable all-NBA candidate, he probably goes into that last year and tries to make all-NBA so he can re-sign for that Supermax. Yeah. Well, and also he could always just sign this deal during the season too. During like next season. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So all of these I'm projecting signing during. You're saying if it's not looking like he's going to make All NBA, like yeah, he goes yeah. in next say, year let's and he's say he's yeah, you know, he misses like 15 games at the start of the season or something like that. <laughs> huh. That would almost eliminate him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He misses 17 <laughs> games at the start. Of 18, the season. 18. 18. He can miss games, 17. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so sure, that's a good point. Um, but I think because of that, he won't sign it. And as I'm looking at these numbers for Sabonis and Anobi, Dejounte Murray, in my estimation, it's not enough. Yeah, maybe not. We'll have to see how those guys kind of end things up. Um, you know, again, they, you know, Dejounte Murray could just be on the way to like, you know, two non All Star seasons in a row, and he's like, eh, you know, what? an average annual value of thirty million a year, maybe that's not too terrible. Um, so yeah, so so this would be interesting. I mean, I think Jalen Brown, you're probably at enough where if you offer him that deal as the Celtics and he doesn't take it, you're like, eh, you know, like we offer him, but I mean, again, you're like maybe he could try to go for making all ba and, and and get a larger deal but it, it's still like yeah the, the rest of these guys i would say yeah probably probably not enough um, which is interesting because like yeah. the whole point is it like obviously can change for some other players too, some lower paid players whether the, it's worth it for them or not but all the focus of this role is on these types of players and i'm not sure it changes a single one no that is really interesting um you mentioned the smoothing yeah and i would actually probably say that that is the biggest one yeah yeah um, and 
a 10% increase, that is not very big. Now, that may be indicative of that we're not going to get this batshit crazy increase in the TV deal, rights deal anyway. But even if we did, you know, if the TV rights deal increases BRI by 30%, then after three years, you get the cap up there with your 10% increase anyway. Although there would certainly be a hope that you're going up close to that amount even before you get a big new TV deal. I think maybe there's an understanding that some of the local TV rights deals will be going down a little bit but this is we talked about smoothing and i think everyone knew that that's what they were going to do this time because you had that big spike in 2016 and all the consequences there including kd going to the warriors but yeah 10 percent is less than i had expected and john i've been Mm -hmm. like oh yeah 2025 free agency time it then but yeah i mean basically if the max you're going to have is a 10 percent increase and now i think you know part of that was maybe that's what they had before right it was locked in between what was it a three percent increase and and a ten percent increase over the covid stuff and the owners kind of did the players a solid there to not reduce the cap a ton because bri went down a ton so maybe this was the owners coming back to the players and being like hey like we, we don't want to increase it by more than this and to be clear again the players are going to get 51 percent of bri it's just going to come in the form of all the players being cut a check and the union will distribute it how they distribute it if salaries don't just pay the players enough on their own so but that's that's huge like we're not gonna have a crazy year in 2025 and i never thought it was gonna be oh yeah the salary cap's gonna go up by 40 percent in a year but i thought it might go up by like 20 percent. yeah my big question so when the new tv deal kicks in if everything's going right that means players based on their salaries they're not gonna get paid enough to cover their approximately 50 percent of the pie how do they get the rest of their money like where does how is that going to be distributed are they just going to give it to the union say you figure it out which it could be based on how some other things work is it going to be proportional to salary is every player who plays a certain number of games or is service time in the league during that year are they going to get equal checks if it's anything we're near equal that could be massive uh for lower paid players um look at last time there was an overage like this could really bring guys over from europe uh marginal players where it's like do i want to be a 15th man on an nba team or do i want to go in europe go to europe the math of where you might make more in europe that changes if there's a giant check coming at the end of the year it does yeah that's a a good point to make and you know we could see that check for you know two three year period and it'll just go up by 10 percent until it equals out welding instructor alex declare knows firsthand how vr training platforms like forge fx can help meet the demand for skilled workers anywhere you go look there's going to be a shortage of welders VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom 
showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace using our capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us next thing we uh, did we mention that it's a six-year deal with the mutual opt-out afterwards so technically seven years but basically six because someone is always going to opt out i mean wouldn't it be nice to think that all these changes they made to the system would make it so they're they're both happy and everybody's thriving and they don't opt out <laughs> i doubt it but like that's that's got to be the goal of some of this right it was kind of interesting as a quick aside that as we were getting down to the very end here it was the owners were like yeah we will opt out adam silver said that and then the players were like no we won't opt out now uh, we'll stay in for the next year i mean i think that's all just pr and the players there's no reason whether they're going to opt out or not i mean once you know the other side's going to opt out there's no reason to say that you would opt out why not just be the good guys and say no we want to keep keep going Um, yeah why did silver say that i didn't i didn't quite understand the the move there uh i mean i think it was just to like put a little extra pressure on it right at the end yeah no it worked i mean no harm no foul yeah but but six years i mean that's good enough like this this Mm -hmm. deal will now end likely after the in the summer of 2029 is when this would expire so we we got labor peace until then which is and again that's the number one thing i was concerned about because you know (laughs) my business depends on nba basketball actually being played so i already went through a big stoppage once uh that uh no one saw coming and that was that was pretty tough for everyone so i'm glad that we're we're on it here uh for another six years all right next thing what do you want to talk about here i I guess let's wrap a bow around the what's gonna happen with the luxury tax yeah um so this is all very vague um at least this part Woj says there's a less punitive system for teams at the lower end of the luxury tax so that could mean basically two things come to mind one uh the tax rate's going to be lower if you're just over a little over the luxury tax two more importantly you're going to get a cut of the luxury tax money that previously had gone to non-tax paying teams so it's not that sharp drop of now i'm one dollar into the tax i'm not getting this what was it this year like 12 million dollars it was looking like uh somewhere in that range like you lose that for going one million dollars in the tax it seemed like an easy fix yeah and i think i'm not sure whether he was differentiating that between the other reporting that the luxury tax brackets are going to increase now at the same rate that the cap does i'm guessing those are two separate things mm-hmm. from what what we can tell but that also obviously makes it less punitive for teams at the lower end of the tax but it sounds like we'll still be at the five million dollar bands for next year and then it'll increase or maybe it'll increase off of the five million with the increase in the cap starting next year but that's that's something that kp suggested a few months ago that i had even thought of and i was like as soon as he said i was like yeah that's just so obvious that you know these five million dollar bands came in when the cap was 
58 million dollars at the end of the 2011 cba negotiations and now it's more than double that and it's still the same bands even though player salaries have doubled and all the exceptions have doubled and all that so um yeah i mean but i don't think they're gonna like go from five million to you know they're not gonna make up for all the time they lost with the cap increasing and those not increasing but at least it will now increase some I'm not sure how much you can answer this. Are you? Uh, do you know something there? Because I—that was one of my big questions. Was what do? What are? No, the, I'm just uh, guessing. Yeah, what are the brackets starting at? I, I'm I'm not as convinced as you that uh, it's going to stay at five million and go from there. I I think there could be a change to the initial brackets. Uh, okay. Well, I'm not, not making a guess something. one way or the other, but I I'm not yeah. convinced. Yeah, I, I mean, my my default at this point is if we didn't hear anything about it, it's staying the same. So that's okay. it, that that we know everything. You about didn't listen it to my caveat. Now, yeah, which was what? Which was if we don't know about it, it might be changing. We just might not have heard yet. Yeah, but that's but that's my default as of now. Obviously, I okay. will change that if I okay. if I find out something else. I, I'm all we can go on right now is the what's actually been reported. Um, yeah, so we got this second apron thing. I mean, that's obviously huge. Uh, Oh, yeah, this is actually another big one that we haven't gotten to yet. And this, I'm annoyed that there's been so little reporting on this. This idea that there will be new spending and trade opportunities for teams at the middle and lower spectrum of the payrolls, uh, including larger trade exceptions and new and expanded exceptions to the salary cap. Now, a couple of those were the room exception going up, which I think is great. Like, why should a team that uses cap room not be able to spend uh, as much as a team that uses, say, say the mid-level? Like, you know how we were always like, oh, yeah, it just makes sense for them to stay over because then they would lose the (laughs) mid-level. Like, no, it makes it would be great if you could just spend all of your cap room and then still have something akin to the mid-level. It won't be quite as much but it'll at least be like pretty close to that now the room exception so i I think that's really good um you know and if you have opportunities to spend in that year like why not let teams do it and there's just there because you have more of these restrictions once you really get higher in the bands i think the thinking which makes a ton of sense and i you know this is stuff that that i talked about with people i think keith and i even talked about it uh, as well of just shouldn't like if you have these limits at the top why are you going to have all these limitations below that like if teams want to spend a bunch all at once to like get up to those limits all right then they'll just hit those limits faster but who cares mm-hmm. um just to put some numbers on the exceptions changing uh, yes. according to shams the mid-level exception is going to go up by seven and a half percent and the room exception is going to go up by 30 percent now it's not clear exactly what that means is that like the current numbers going up by those percentages but the salary caps also going up or what but there's some I'm going to give you just a, a little bit of a baseline of what I think that means. So currently, the mid-level exception is about 8% of the salary cap. The uh, That's the uh, non-taxpayer mid-level exception. The taxpayer mid-level exception is about 5%, and the room exception is about 4%. So if that... If those numbers increase by 7.5%, 7.5%, and 30%, then we're looking at 9%, 6%, 6%. Getting to, like you said, where the uh, taxpayer MLE, it's closer in the range to the room MLE. Um, interestingly, though, if, if uh, you know, because I think a lot of times you get a sense for what the mid-level exception is and you kind of get used to it. This 8% number, it used to be 9 10 11% in the earlier part of the 2000s, uh, the mid-level exception, what that was of the cap. So it's not... But that's the in- increase uh, oh oh so the middle of exception currently is about eight percent of the salary cap in yeah. 2005 4 3 2 it was 11 percent of the cap 
So this sounds like it's going to make it 9%. Um, so it's somewhat at a low point right now of how the mid-level exception works. And this might just kind of be getting it back more toward the norm. Yeah. And again, the feeling being, hey, like, you know, you've still, the, you can spend more on a mid-level contract. That's good. Also, you, you kind of would run into this issue where it's like, okay, you're either getting the mid-level or you're getting cap room and you're getting 20 million. And there, was a, the, there wasn't really a way to be like, oh, hey, like my market value is above the mid-level. You kept running into these issues mm -hmm. so i think that it's great to increase it and again like hey if you'd use the mid-level you're hard cap so you can only in yeah you might be able to spend more on that player but you can only increase your own salary as a team by so much before you run into that hard cap anyway so why not let that mid-level be a little bit bigger uh i also really like this that there is now a second round <laughs> pick exception we'll have to see how big that is and how many teams, years yeah yeah but teams will no longer i assume it'll be four years but teams no longer need to dip into the mid-level which then you know prevents veterans from getting paid the full mid-level sorry javelle mcgee uh <laughs> you gotta leave room for Jaden hardy uh so yeah i think that's there's really no reason why there shouldn't be an exception for second rounders also i mean we've seen well, the lakers repeatedly blow this with <laughs> jordan clarkson now they're they're doing it with uh, then they do it with taylor horton tucker now they're doing it with austin reese like just giving a guy a two-year deal because i guess they just didn't feel like they could use any part of the mid-level or something and that then just uh, who did they who would they have used it on reeves rookie year is that when they signed kendrick nunn to oh, yes, weirdly yes, a little right. bit less than the uh full mid-level did he get the full mid-level i feel I like think, there was a like, it wasn't like a million less so it wouldn't have been enough to sign right but, 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 there, but it wasn't yeah. enough less right there was some some team that did that where it wasn't enough less to actually sign somebody they just saved a few bucks um but, 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 but yeah so this will now help teams prevent that hold on to these second round guys for a little bit longer we're also well, going to see well i, I want to yeah, stick on that for a sec because it, it comes sure. kind of counter to a lot of the direction we're moving where you say well why not do that well why not do that is because it punishes teams that don't have these exceptions available or or that want to use them on something else right this allows teams to to spend more you you can still use your mid-level exception on something else keep uh increasing your team salary and still have money left over to sign a multi-year deal where it works currently is you need the non-taxpayer mid-level to sign a guy for four years you need a chunk of the taxpayer mid-level to sign a second round pick for three years otherwise you're stuck with two years uh through the the probably the minimum exception and so th this is one of the changes i, I like it but it, it's the opposite direction of most of these changes yeah it's a fair point um I think uh, I want to move now to two-way contracts. There will now be a third two-way contract slot per team. I wonder what that's going to do for like the overall number of games that each two-way player can play or that you can get overall from two-way players and whether we could see again this issue like with the Warriors this year where they avoided signing a 15th guy and used two-way guys to still get enough bodies to play yeah i'm sure they'll come up with something that will address potentially that issue mm -hmm. um i i just don't care for even more two-way slots because i've noticed that there's a reduction in the quality of play because when teams really are injured or frankly even when they're tanking you can't sign any good players anymore because <laughs> they're all on rosters because of two like you're now you're picking the what would it be the uh 550th best player or something or the 500th best player the 510th best player instead of the 450th best player like that probably matters to some degree yeah so I, i'm not really in favor of there being yet another two-way contract also we've seen a lot of guys in that system get screwed hopefully they're at
at least if they're doing this you get a real qualifying offer now as a two-way guy mm-hmm. and we haven't heard anything about that yet and we'll get to that there's some changes in that for regular restricted free agents we talked about in a second but if it's just the same deal where you're just letting more players who break out get screwed or have to sign you know the lou dort four-year sam hinky special after you're like already starting and you're on a two-way like it, not in favor of that yeah i i have a lot of problems with how the two-way works in that regard um share all your concerns counterpoint though i think it's good and healthy for the league to work toward a point where uh these minor league affiliates are full of players that are on your team i think that would increase fan interest in that when you know those are your guys and not just some like random minor league players and so i i think this is kind of a move in that direction restricted free agency now they've agreed to help restricted free agents some i think this is actually the bigger thing that there's just a 10 percent increase in qualifying offers and recall the reason that matters is because that's the one year deal that they have to offer you if they're going to make you restricted free agent you may unilaterally accept that uh once it is offered it can only be pulled up until july 13th and then you have still until october 1st to accept it as well and so that is some leverage for restricted free agents say okay you don't give me enough i'll take the qualifying offer and then i'm going to be totally unrestricted next season and also you won't be able to trade me unless i accept it so that's useful i mean another 10 percent, like baby steps it's not amazing uh they have reduced the matching period from 48 to 24 hours however dan i find that i mean that's nice but all the everything yeah. done by the time you can actually sign these guys anyway like that doesn't really matter like you're still tying your cap space up for the entirety of the time that you're going to be making offers and finding free free agency's done after like two days these days yeah the 24 hour i mean that's just moving toward the reality of the present used to be like what a, a month or something and then it went to like 10 days and uh yeah. then a week like it's just technology changing you don't have to mail a letter letting the other team know you signed somebody to an offer sheet it, you know it could it could be an hour at this point yeah but that's probably i mean and every little bit helps i think the increase in the qualifying yeah. offer where more players be like eh, no now it's like tipping the scales a little bit more to where hey i'm willing to take that qualifying offer i, I got a trivia than, question for you because yeah. okay. i think i think people underestimate how powerful the qualifying offer is and including some restricted free agents there's only been one player ever to sign a standard contract qualifying offer and then the following year resign with that same team who is it and while you're thinking about it, I'm going to filibuster just for a second and just kind of make the point of when you sign the qualifying offer, you're basically nuking your future with that team. And therefore, that team is nuking its future with you. Like you, you have so much control. It, it torches everything. Teams should be very wary of you signing a qualifying offer. And they've got to be even more wary now because those qualifying offers are worth more money. And I'm also curious whether uh, that's going to be in relation to a uh, an increase in the rookie scale also um no reporting on that or anything uh, they they did the big increase in the rookie scale on the last cba so i'm not necessarily expecting that but because the qualifying offer has been based so much on what your rookie scale contract is i'm just curious if that's part of it um though not expecting yeah. that okay so i can't i can't think of of who it was i mean i think there are not that many guys who for whom signing the qualifiers worked out great like greg monroe ben gordon <laughs> are two that i that i can think of but there's not, not that many of them um who is the one guy who resigned? i'm gonna kick myself as soon as you tell me who it is spencer hawes with the 76ers oh i'm not gonna kick myself i don't even remember that and i like every time you think it might happen like i thought like bruce brown it might happen you could see the circumstances of why he took it with the nets and why they valued him nope now he's on the 
the Nuggets. It just never works out for Well, teams. actually, no, I do. I do I, there's another one. You're forgetting one. Yeah. Matthew Dellavedova took a qualifying offer and then re-signed with the Cavs. Is that right? You have to check your math on that. Maybe. Oh, no. Maybe he did a qualifying offer and then he left as a restricted free agent the next year. That's what it was. All right, okay. Yeah, because yeah, he signed right. with the Bucks and, and yeah. LeBron wished him well and said, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, like, <laughs> we're not even waiting for the magic window. Congratulations on your big contract with the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I, I, he, yeah, he would just went through the restricted free agency process twice. <laughs> right. But the second time he actually left. Yeah. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, where do you want to go to next, sir? All right, well, you want to do, uh, let's do awards. Because if we're on trivia, I, I got another trivia question for you. I looked this one up. Okay. okay. So the, the new award rule is players have to play at least 65 games. And a lot of details we don't know. Woj says, quote, the 65 game minimum does come with some conditions. So You have to play at least one minute and one second in each <laughs> of the 65 games. Great. So guys are going to check out yeah. after yeah. 102. You're, you're not going to see the Drew Holiday go in, get the games played bonus, <laughs> and immediately leave here. He'll play one minute first. So I don't know if this is going to apply to every single award in honor. I mean, is it going to apply to like the all rookie second team? Because a lot of times uh, those guys don't make it. So here's my trivia question for you. Right now, there are 40 major awards and honors. You got the five big ones, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, Sixth Man of the Year. You got 15 All-NBA slots. You got 10 slots on each of all defense and all rookie. It used to be less. Those teams were smaller. You got to kind of figure this. In NBA history, how many players have earned one of those honors and not played 65 games or the equivalent? I did it prorated on the season. Some seasons used to be shorter. In, lockouts in earlier. In NBA history. In NBA history, wow. how many times has this come up? Is this a big problem, a little problem? Is this common? Is it uncommon? How big of a shakeup are we looking at? Well, I will say before I guess that I think it's becoming more common recently. I got I some numbers there, there on there that were. for you too. Okay. All right. Well, so I'm going to say this is for any of these, huh? I'm gonna we just say did the seventy fifth any anniversary. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's happened. I mean, obviously, simply the fact that you're asking this indicates that it's a lower number than you might think. I'm gonna I'm say it's sure. happened seventeen times. One hundred and seventy. Oh, okay. One hundred and seventy. This is not a small change. This is not just like oh, here and there there are gonna be players who don't win awards who would have previously. This right, is I, a I, massive. I went difference. for the trivia answer in the wrong direction. <laughs> but you're right. It is more common. Uh, we're gonna look at since 1989 sort of as the modern era that's when the nba uh, went to a second team for all rookie a third team for all nba that's when it started having these 40 honors per year so it could be up to you know there's 40 guys earned in the first 26 
years of this, the high mark for guys being sub-65 games was six. Not a single year was there more than six. Each of the last five years, there's a low of seven. The last five years working back, it's been 11, 11, 9, 7, and 8. It is more of a thing now. Yeah. For better or worse, I don't like this change. We've talked about it some. We can talk about it more. I'm not in favor. Uh, I think it undermines the... uh, the credibility of awards. I think it. Voters already consider games. I. I think uh, it. The unintended consequences. There's that word of if a player tries to push through a mild injury and gets hurt worse. This could completely backfire. That's the worst case scenario. I get what they're going for. There's a slim chance it could work. That players play more often now. You get your top players on the court more without any negative uh, repercussions. Slim, slim chance that could work. I don't think the odds are are high enough to be worth it. Yeah, my guess would be, I mean, the only ones that people care about are the major awards anyway. I mean, all NBA, MVP, all all the stuff that makes you eligible to get paid more. Those are the ones that I think people really care about getting. You know, and then rookie rookie of the year probably matters. Maybe six man, maybe most improved. Defensive player of the year. Those guys in the running for that are super proud of that. Well, well, yeah, I included that already because that can make you eligible. Oh, yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Um, But yeah i mean it's just i i think this is dumb now i you know and it, we're adding the midseason tournament like we're, we're adding more games as of right now this would i mean my biggest disappointment not that i expected it so maybe i shouldn't say it was a disappointment but uh is that you know we're still still gonna be 82 games there's not really any kind of provision to reduce the schedule at all you know i was hoping that we might do 78 and like i think that clearly with the new tv deal coming up they just nobody wanted to rock the boat they wanted to just keep adding stuff mm-hmm. um and they've added a lot of stuff by the way since the last tv contract right they extended the season by a week so there's like another week of national games and they also added the play-in so there's like another week of uh really interesting nationally televised games that too so there's basically two more weeks of national tv than there was when they Uh, negotiated the deal the last time a week and a half they've scaled back the the length it went from 170 days to 177 now it's down to 174 so but yeah Um, the the play-in is obviously the huge one yeah so curbing load management yeah i mean it is teams that push for this mostly you would imagine now one thing that i am happy about at least is that all nba teams are gonna be positionless now so that might actually make the quality of the teams that'll make up maybe some for the fact that like some of the positions are weaker uh i mean my guess actually would be that like forward is probably gonna be get squeezed out the most like that's where we've had the most weakness probably i would say is like third team forward that's always where i feel like there are fewer qualified candidates than a guard now i mean the other thing dan another unintended consequence right what if i think this could be something where for example guards just put up more stats generally than bigs do bigs are more important on defense which is harder to measure what if the whole team is just gonna be guards now right like that could be big guys it could just be harder for them now to get paid like that that could be an unintended consequence this as well i'm I'm in favor of the position list but you know the voters could just be seduced by points per game and uh, then it could go the the guys it could go the other way where they're just uh seduced by uh you know some of these advanced stats where where bigs perform real well if there's not uh, a positional adjustment are are the advanced stats that sexy are are they really that seductive uh back-to-back reigning uh, mvp nikola Jokic uh suggests yes let's talk about the guy who's averaging a triple double year this year that guy let, let's talk about uh, forwards just for a second, okay? Uh, if this rule were in place last year, no players changed their behavior at forward. This is just a good example of what we're looking at. We're maybe a little bit extreme. I cherry-picked to make a point. All right, forward. First team, Giannis and Jason Tatum. They're both fine. 
Second team, Kevin Durant played 55 games. He is out. DeMar DeRozan staying on the uh, on the second team. We've got Pascal Siakam bumping up from third team to second team. The other third teamer is LeBron James. He is out. So now we need to have two more forwards. Leader in uh, in points who didn't make it, Jimmy Butler only played 57 games. He can't make it. All right, Jalen Brown, I guess, because here's the thing. We don't know who the voters, all these voters who voted for Kevin Durant and LeBron and Jimmy Butler would have voted for. Jalen Brown got three voting points. He is now the third team forward. We have one spot to go still. There's two other guys who got a vote. It's Desmond Bain and Chris Middleton. Like, how do you feel about a uh, an all-NBA team last year with Desmond Bain? Does that reflect the league that you saw? Does anybody care about all-NBA awards when that's how it works? Yeah, hopefully they won't be stuck with it not being positionless going in, in that direction. But no, I, I feel I mean, it's just, it's, we'll see what happens. 60, I, I mean, I, I think actually like, if they had made it 58, yeah. I would feel better about it. My list would have been a lot. That's what it is to win, to, and that's what it is to qualify for the scoring title so why should it, i mean this is Woj. i thought put it like he, he wasn't a big fan of this either it seemed like and i think he noted that this this is basically just pr it's just an attempt to show that they're doing something about it but if you're if it's just going to be pr maybe they could have made it like slightly more toothless than this um, what, what, the, the other I, thing i'll oh, note too is and this is goes back to my disappointment with the schedule part of the reason why everyone constantly talks about awards and i mean i think it's really interesting like we do it once a, once a month it's a really interesting show but you know if you we do one of our 24 shows a month is about awards you know i'd say some other national podcasts and then when you look at tv and stuff you know what is and like you know sports center or whatever else like is like one third of all discussion in the league about awards <laughs> like the mvp it's like well why is that well because the individual games don't matter you need to just focus in on these like season-long narratives because the analysis isn't oh hey like this game was unbelievable that's one out of 82 that you know maybe three percent of your audience was watching last night right so if the games meant more then not everyone would have like this huge heart on to talk about awards yeah that's a that's a great point um in-season tournament can we move on or do you have anything else you want to say on the awards front? I feel like I did, but I don't know what it was. So uh, let's move on. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I like those stats. Those are good stats. To, uh, I'll, to I'll have some of those details in, in the uh, in the dunks also for uh, those examples of which they were. And I mean, like, no more Patrick Ewing as Rookie of the Year. Uh, no more Kyrie Irving as Rookie of the Year. Like, you got to go down. I actually think that year, like, Kawhi Leonard was the, the top finisher of all people who had played enough games. Like, it's a significant Irony of ironies. Yeah. The load manager himself. Uh, it's a it's a lot of big changes throughout NBA history if you retroactively apply this. And of course, like the hope is that some of these guys who are a couple of games short would have pushed through. I know the other. I talk long enough that I came up with it. So you said absolutely correctly that it's often teams pushing for this. Kawhi Leonard is probably the exception, but otherwise teams are making this decision. Well, now teams have a giant incentive to hold out a guy so he can't make all NBA, he can't make the Supermax, except over and over we see teams bend to players on this where they want the hype of the guy like it's worth it to them they promote them for all-star even if that increases their salary like teams generally go the other way but do you see any possibility for acrimony here where hey a guy's being held out more than he thinks is right because he wants to make all nba and he wants to get the supermax and whether or not the team is doing it uh, to protect the player long term for legitimate reasons or has this ulterior motive like do you see that coming up not really, because okay. I think teams want the guy to make it so they can pay him and not lose him. 
yeah yeah I, I think in most now in some of those circumstances you shouldn't want to be paying this guy the supermax but i think generally there aren't that many players who are gonna gonna make now i think it could maybe be more of something if the guy has signed a designated rookie extension and it's one of these ones where like it could be 25 percent, it could be 30 percent. Mm, yeah that's the one where i see it yeah but because you can't sign one of these contingent extensions for a designated player it's just you either sign it or you don't for the veteran uh, yeah for the yeah designated player veteran extension uh then yeah i don't think it would happen i mean i don't think there are that many guys where it's like oh man oh shit he qualified now we have to pay him more that sucks like you also i mean the guy's gonna be a free agent anyway like it's not a restricted free agent contract it hasn't already been signed so yeah um yeah I, I don't think that's as much of an issue and i think also we've seen like the drew holiday thing for example with the bonus like teams are going to work with the guy to this to is far more if it's, yeah. far more money than the bonus yeah of course and and, think, and the way it counts against the cap for but yeah i that fourth year one that's a great point those that's where you're going to have to watch for it if it happens at all okay a couple of smaller things here uh marijuana is no longer prohibited uh they had pretty much reduced the testing to the point where it didn't matter anyway but i think that's uh i mean it's legal in a lot of states totally fine with that i think it's also frankly like for athletic performance it's if you got to pick either that or alcohol you, <laughs> i think you know which one you'd want to choose if you got a game the next day um the age limit no changes the only surprise is that people are at all surprised the owners wanted it so they could get an concession the players wanted it so they could get a concession that's like an impossible thing to overcome and the reporting behind this was that they're just and this actually even came out before the deal was done that this wasn't going to be a part of it and i think this is true that there isn't a moral imperative as much anymore now that there's nal in college now that you have other avenues like overtime elite even the nba itself provides employment for the guys who truly were you know might have been able to make the leap and like actually contribute that year i also think that in terms of at the nba level we're probably not losing that much by not having high schoolers actually playing for nba teams in the list of high school like or i should i guess we should say 18 year olds who could have been in the league and contributing i mean that's maybe like 10 guys in all of history where like oh man we really missed out on having the guys no. ben, ben know, taylor Luka, had a, lebron yeah Wembenyama, like those guys would have been cool to have them this year but um i i think it's fine to wait like the, nobody wanted to be in high school gyms either and I, and i agree like i very much was against it back when your only option was just going to college and just having to chill or like get paid under the table for a year now that's not the case anymore i don't feel the imperative for it i'm i mean i probably would have liked to have seen it maybe it would have made my life harder trying to scout the <laughs> draft so personally but you know i still think it would have been nice to have guys in if they were but but i guess you know the the nature of the draft is like all these guys are getting drafted for potential anyway if it was really a case where it's like okay we're only gonna let the guys in who really can play right now and there are some way to do that which i don't think there is i would be in favor of that so this is i think this is fine like i i'm kind of my thinking on this has evolved with the ability of these guys to get paid at the lower levels now uh ben taylor had a really good podcast on uh like the best super young players like the best age 18 seasons and i was like oh my gosh like i did not realize how thin the crop was of 18 year olds if you go back and look at listen to that and thinking basketball oh yeah I do recommend I mean, like that. even even kobe his first yeah. year was not a, i mean it's basically like i think kg started like the second half of his year um his rookie year lebron i think like maybe moses was okay i mean there's not that many guys um, um i yeah I, I agree with you on the moral imperative not being as strong i do think there still is one though that 
the NBA has this monopoly in a lot of ways. The NBA is allowed to act in ways that other businesses are not, like teams are allowed to act in ways other businesses are not because they have collective bargaining, because ostensibly there's a union representing the players. These 18-year-olds coming out of high school, they're not represented in this. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's right. I understand why it happens, uh, but I, I think it's wrong. Um, and I would support anybody trying to challenge this in court. I, I think they would have a chance of winning. It's obviously hard because of the timing of it, because you can go. I don't think the they end. would. Didn't like Maurice Claret like lost basically that case, right? Because it was collectively bargained. Uh, that football. was sure. That was, uh, that was football. And that was a while ago. Um, I, I'm not saying I would Fair. guarantee success, but I would, uh, I know who I'd be rooting for in that case. And I think they would have a chance because I do think the union has some duty to uh, uh, represent potential and future members in this situation where they're yeah. now, now the union also has a duty to preserve the quality of play in the league and help mm-hmm. grow the pie mm-hmm. as well and to me now it's reached the point where because there is the ability for these guys to get nal deals and or play professionally elsewhere or whatever and still get paid yeah and not just be you know making you know a twenty five thousand dollars scholarship or whatever it was back then that to me now reduces uses the moral imperative enough that other concerns such as just let's not waste a roster spot on this guy who clearly just can't even like tie his <laughs> shoes to get into an nba game take over well that's to me why the, the the best solution for the league if the you know they can get away with basically whatever they want clearly like why not just let the high schoolers be draft eligible but they're not eligible to play in the nba for a year but then if you want to go through the nba draft route now you can play in our minor league uh, or you can play college you can play wherever you want but, like we'll, we'll have your draft rights like too. why not here's the other thing too dan like anyone who actually would be good enough to play the nba is offering them employment i'm sure they would offer anyone good enough the chance to play for g league ignite and make a pretty good salary maybe not sure you know, but you I, make as a i'm saying why not let those guys pick, but wh- why not let yeah. those guys go through the draft too like why, why wait a year yeah well because it's i think it's also not good to just have your first round draft pick be someone who just like can't play that year it's a choice like that's, that's teams can make for a team yeah but i mean that's just generally not good like and it would be a rational choice for a team to make but just for like fans like i think i think there'd be more that. fan interest right like who's watching how many people are watching uh minor league games for scoot henderson right now like ahead of the draft you might look back and I'll look at video and try and assess him. But who's watching the games night tonight? If he were drafted by <coughs> the Rockets last year, Houston fans would be watching all those games. Hmm. Eh, maybe that's reasonable. I think more in, in aggregate, though, it might not be great. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. But this Maybe. is very interesting, though, going back to the draft. The league's been pushing for this for a long time. 
the uh, new CBA requires players attending the combine to undergo physical exams that will be distributed to select teams based on player projections. So players that are kind of in the, the range that these, or, or teams that are in the range that these guys are projected to be drafted. Now, players attending the draft combine, could you just still not go to the combine? This is unclear. Does everyone have to go now? I would imagine this has some amount of teeth hmm. because the whole reason is guys didn't want to get drafted by the Kings, so they wouldn't send them in their physical. Um, or maybe what it is is like oh hey you want to go to the combine and like get measured and all that and get medicals for some teams well no now you you don't have control of that anymore if you want to do this it has to get sent to everyone in this range not just the ones that you want so you can steer the guy this way so but whether like there's some penalty now if you don't come to the combine like that that all remains to be seen but this is obviously this is a win for the league to get this are you sure? Can I say unintended consequences again? If there's not some requirement to go to the combine or penalty for Yeah, then maybe just nobody goes. Nobody goes to the combine. I, I would imagine. Far fewer, right? It's going to be like yeah. late first rounders and second rounders and those mid first rounders. Like the top players, sometimes they go just for interviews for convenience for everybody. Now it's going to be slightly more inconvenient for the teams. But like the interviews with the other top teams, those will still get done. I would imagine this has enough, uh, like, they wouldn't have bothered to do this unless, like, the top prospects are going to have, they have some way to make them do it. But we'll see. Uh, uh, I I don't think, because I'm guessing to get this, the NBA had to give something up. Like, we had some of these wins for the players that were kind of unanticipated, like this BRI thing, like, you know, a few of these other, you know, increase in the mid-level, like, definitely some the increase in the extensions and some of those might not have even been anticipated so this is a win for the owners like the owners clearly must have had to give up something to get this we don't know exactly what that is but uh so but but i I do think it's interesting that this got done and i would say for the players again we don't know exactly what the quid pro quo was but ultimately this isn't something you know players are generally pro movement and pro selecting your destination owners are not and surely like the owners are the clientele in the cba for the negotiations it's not teams it's not gms it's the owners and i would imagine that it was very embarrassing to certain owners to just never be able to draft guys or have to take this huge risk because you didn't have the medicals and there was just this overt way to like prove that guys didn't want to go to your franchise so, so obviously that was really vexing for owners that, that's where um, I have some yeah. hesitation of whether this has teeth. Where you say certain owners, like how many owners really care about this? How many owners have been embarrassed by this? And is this just in there to placate them of like, hey, we know this is a priority for you. And so we got you something. The guys who come to the combine, uh, they got to do it. And there's not the teeth. Maybe. And it's just the theory of, of how it could have come in without like without there being more to it. Yeah, but but in any event, I would say, and and this, I want to um, transition to this last point before we start about the talking about the in season tournament is ultimately like the players using this thing which yeah you know it matters it's a system issue it matters to certain owners but using something like this to actually get paid more money if that's what it was or to just or whether it's just into or get more flexibility elsewhere like i think that's good negotiating i think that you took this thing that was really a burn guy size but didn't ultimately matter to how much money everyone is making to actually like get more money, like get more money out of the pocket of the owners for something like this, that's a win. I consider that to be pretty good. Yeah, especially because the people you're throwing under the bus aren't even uh, voting members of the union yet. Once again, it's the the players who are coming into the league who are suffering the consequences, so yeah. that the well, guys well, it in is, the league can can reap more benefits. 
but but all those guys do have agents who you know i'm sure we're pushing against this but uh those agents now are presumably going to have more ways to get their clients paid so um in season tournament what do you think i i've got a lot of skepticism you've alleviated some of it i think they did it in a way that might work because all these all but i think what is it the final game is not going to count toward the regular season or the final game will be the only one that doesn't count toward the regular season so teams can't just completely duck this it's still your games it's still your schedule um i'm hopeful it works i'd love to have more competitive games in the regular season but the giant well i don't know i think they did something very smart by including it in the regular season games that that alleviates a lot of my skepticism the big difference between this and the play-in tournament i see them compared so often the end goal of an nba season is a championship and we measure teams by how far they advance toward that it doesn't have to be championship or bust but it's okay the kings got to the playoffs we're going to celebrate that that absolutely should be celebrated but it's a thing that moves toward a championship advancing through the play-in tournament advances you toward a championship we're all measuring toward that end goal the in-season tournament as its own thing it doesn't fit that it's very different um i'm i'm still somewhat skeptical whether it's uh gonna be a success do you like watching international basketball depends <laughs> I, I i don't work for nbc anymore so i don't have to say that i love watching the olympics you're talking about you're talking about national teams i do enjoy watching the olympics so that, that was yeah well I, so this I is do. what i i do yeah this is what i would say and uh, this has been my position before and uh, i said this to danny if you have good basketball players playing hard i'm very interested in watching that game i'm interested in analyzing it and whether it's like oh this matters for a championship or not like that's ultimately it's a great game that you want to watch it's an entertainment product like yes knowing the whole thing about oh advancing towards the championship and and like what like you want the game that you are watching to mean something and so and you want the the reason that sports in and of itself is so interesting is like hey wow these guys really want it they're competing as hard as they can that's what we want to see in sports is guys competing as hard as they can so if this is incentivized to get guys to compete as hard as they can and it's the best guys in the nba even if it's not the best guys in the nba honestly like if it's just two you know the six and seventh best team in the nba in a single elimination format really trying the coaches are playing guys 45 minutes they're breaking out junk defenses they're scouting the shit out of these guys beforehand it feels like it's this crucible i will absolutely watch so my only concern with this i shouldn't say my only concern my main concern is are the players involved going to play hard yep if it is in fact five hundred thousand dollars shams has reported that woad said today oh, we don't know how much that is i don't know if that's because he shams reported it and he's like well we don't know that that's true or shams might have jumped the gun on or something i had posited that it should be a million dollars per player because i wanted it to be and that everyone gets it i like that it's going to be the same amount for every player on the team because i thought there could be this component of hey lebron james is like oh yeah i'm gonna win an extra million dollars for this guy on the end of the bench and like how cool that would be to like for everyone to celebrate and stuff and like i think that's something where all these guys you know like cj mccollum is in the union and like you know there's this feeling of like oh yeah we're so player empowerment and like i we care about all you guys and like you know we're a family like you could really get that storyline i think would be really interesting to basically like allow the you know the two-way guys to double his salary or something like that if, if he's eligible for this 
Um, so 500k is not quite enough to me for that. I think a million would be worth even. And I think even the guys who are making 30 million a year, 40 million a year, like you know, a million dollars for. Yeah, I mean, because this is only going to be three extra games, right? Like only eight teams make this thing. Well, no, no, so no. You so play three so, games. So I guess my understanding of it is all of those games uh, will count toward regular season, except for the championship game. And that's one of the reasons why I I think it could work because it's only one extra game that doesn't count toward the regular season, and by the time right you get two teams for the championship game for this i kind of figured they'll care like it's just one more game you win that one game you win this whole title i think i think teams will care i i guess one of the questions i have is so the the games you start with it's gonna be pool play and then then those single elimination games but those are regular season games basically uh do you think teams will care about those more than they do a typical regular season yeah i was gonna i was gonna say the same thing i that'll be interesting to see i I I think particularly because it's at the beginning of the season do is that something we know it is possible uh well i mean the tournament is starting in in december so it's got to be yeah you know it's it's not going to be i guess won't say starting in november so it's not necessarily the the first games you might get a little bit of a warm-up i see i see my guess is the pool games i'm going to guess that uh teams don't care more about those and might care more about the ones classified a single elimination because you're still going to have to play other games if you lose those that's going to be my guess they don't care about the pool but if you end up in the single elimination part with eight other seven other teams eight teams total then you start to care and if you get well, to a championship I think game also, that doesn't count yeah. you'll care just because it's one game i think that there will be definitely certain teams that will treat the pool play games as more important um, <laughs> are those teams going to be good enough to, to make a difference with that even if they care yeah maybe yeah i, I don't know maybe, maybe so um but you know i mean it could be it's a thing where it's like okay where it's the second night of a back-to-back which one is Kawhi going to play in okay he's going to play in the one that's uh that's for the pool play okay that um, you know it, it thought i just had you know are is the nba going to try and uh prioritize not having these games involved to be back-to-backs and maybe you're willing to take more back-to-backs yeah. later in yeah. the season no i think that's that could also be true as well we'll just have to see how they end up scheduling out i also wouldn't have minded if make the championship game that 83rd game count in the standings but only for the winner Ooh, that's interesting so you basically would have the tie break over any team that you're tied with that's interesting yeah that would have been fun sure i would have liked that maybe maybe the reason they didn't want to do that is because they just want it to be its own separate thing they don't want it to be like oh yeah this is like another (laughs) stepping stone of the they want it to be completely separate as it is obviously in the in european soccer a problem this could have i mean i don't i don't think it's clear how many pool play games there'll be you're not going to play everybody like how unbalanced are the schedules in this right like is is one team have a super easy road to make that eight team elimination stage or some teams have super hard roads like i'm curious how balanced that is yeah and it could also actually lead to teams that make this tournament having a harder schedule than teams that don't because you're i mean you would think by mm-hmm. definition you're playing other really good teams in this tournament Absolutely. that ca- those games count in the regular season for two games and then you take those eight best teams out and now you're you know all the other teams get to play the you know the 22 worst teams um another concern that just popped in my head so i don't know exactly what this is going to look like but i'm kind of i i did in the dunks this was uh probably a couple months ago now kind of a guess of what the setup could be and at a certain point it sounds like those teams that don't make this stage of eight they're going to end up 
with extra games scheduled against each other because of arena conflicts and all of that like are we going to yeah. have more back-to-backs because it's going to this whole schedule is not going to be set as far in advance and so there's going to be more conflicts and it is travel are, are those things going to be even worse and and i'll say this the number one thing that's going to determine whether this works number one how much do the teams in the very first championship game care are they playing all out to win that and are they like loving it are they celebrating big that's going to be huge. well presumably you're not going to get there unless you're playing all out it's just regular season games like somebody's got to make it uh, and, and, and it could go the other way if somebody gets hurt in that extra game in that championship game it could ruin the whole thing forever okay let's finish up with this who won this Play- negotiation players a lockout is devastating to players their careers are short their salaries are high players cannot afford a lockout owners win every lockout uh for the system to continue on that alone players won and then we can go all the way call back to the very beginning of this episode where i said the number one thing is the players added to their revenue pie i can't believe that uh giant win for the players yeah i would say so i think most of the well i, I would say both parties number one because they actually agreed on some things that make sense for both parties you know such as the smoothing as well um and and ultimately for the players yeah i I think they actually the players won on the money and were willing to kind of give up more system things like the owners actually wanted more system stuff usually it's the players want system stuff the owners will like get stuff on the money as a result of that like they're the ones who care about the bottom line and it's interesting that if anything that is kind of reversed (laughs) a little bit and and i agree with you obviously you know the owners do have this tv contract coming up you know so there is like a little leverage for the players where maybe the owners are less willing to have a work stoppage than they might have been in say 2011 when the next tv contract wasn't until 2016 uh but and then you know we had the new tv deal last time as well right before the cba this time the timing of the cba ending right before the next tv deal maybe that was a little more leverage for the players than we may have appreciated i mean the owners are trying to Hmm. like they could be negotiating right now with exclusive negotiating window with ESPN and Turner and then in the spring of 2024 as is anticipated we talked about this with Andrew Marsh a couple of weeks ago that it's just going to open up to everyone and yeah no you probably don't want to be in the middle of a lockout when you're trying to negotiate that so maybe that was a a little bit more and and we saw the owners get off of this upper spending limit I don't know if they were even ever fully united on that it might have just been like bullshit negotiating as well the players seem to have like gotten them off of that very early on well um yeah but I, I will say I do think the second apron is far closer to a hard cap uh, than I ever thought the players would go for. It's not called a hard cap, but I think it's going to work a lot closer to a hard cap with the well, possible think, exception of one to two teams. Yeah, but the fact the fact that you can re-sign your own players and exceed it that I think and, and you can always sign guys to the minimum like that's well sign guys to the minimum. I mean that and yeah, but even if let's just say it works out that you don't have a player you want to resign and you're not quite rich enough where you're going to resign anybody to preserve the salary slot if you don't resign a guy that year and you dip below that apron that second apron good luck getting back over it right you, you know you you have to have the player there to resign yeah well the other thing that you mentioned the unintended consequences of this how valuable is it say a second round pick who's productive in the third year of his deal about to be a restricted free agent that's making the minimum Mm. that you would then have full bird rights on how Mm. valuable is that guy to trade for if you're a team like the clippers and then you can bump your salary up and then hey you could always trade that guy later too yeah as well but you yeah as as a means to like get your salary up there but again this is maybe three teams that like are going to be thinking about 
you know, even like a team like the Bucks or you know, the Lakers, they're they're not going to be thinking of like, okay, let's we have to get <laughs> our salary as high as possible, right? right? Like, there's a couple of teams that might think about that, and, and even those teams will probably only think about it if you have like a Kawhi and Paul George on the team at the same time. So, it's I really don't think it's going to affect that many teams' behavior. But but isn't overall. that isn't that far more concerning? Because I, I think what nobody wants is is just a couple yeah. teams have a massive advantage. Yeah, if it, you don't want this to be a bill of attainder, basically. Yeah, I think. I don't know exactly what that means, but sure, that it, sounds right. A bill of attainder is it's basically like a law that's just designed to like screw over one person or entity is the, the way I remember well, it from okay, so law I, school no, 20 I, years ago. I, I guess I'm saying the opposite. I think a lot of the unintended consequences, this could help the Lakers, or not the, excuse me, the, the, the Clippers, the Warriors, and if there's anybody else, like... It, it could make it so they, their advantage over the rest of the teams is so strong that, that the gap is even wider. Hmm. That's yeah, maybe that's true. I mean, that's what ended up happening with just the more stringent luxury mm-hmm. tax penalties mm-hmm. last time. Uh, but yeah, I, I, going back to the original question, I agree with you. The players did better than I expected other than this additional apron. And like that, that was another thing where I think the players took advantage of some things that like the owners really wanted there are certain owners like that were kind of freaking out about certain things that honestly probably didn't really matter as much and these owners were convinced that they did really matter and so the players took advantage of that to get stuff that they wanted and i don't think it really hurts the players that much in the end so uh we'll see we're we got live many more details we got six years to find out what we were wrong about i'm sure it'll be fascinating to go back and listen to this podcast two three years from now and see what we were right on what we were wrong on what we missed but yeah this is a lot of fun thanks for doing this This is great great stuff and uh we'll be back tomorrow got so much more stuff to get to this week uh we obviously the playoff race we got to catch up on that tomorrow we still you you guys were kind of to submit mailbag questions we still got to answer we got talk about the games the 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 mailbag uh the mailbag channel in the discord is still open if you want to get questions if you're listening to this after it's published last chance to get those in yeah and i'm going to be at the nike hoop summit this week uh, as well uh hollinger and i are going to do top 10 players in the nba my head's swimming but uh this is why you listen to dunked on because we're going to get to all of it and uh really excited to have you all as a subscriber if you're listening on the public feed please consider subscribing we'll have john and i with top 10 players in the nba one of the best shows that we do obviously oh we're going to do awards this week by the way <laughs> remember those <laughs> yeah this could be massive now are, are you out, you know are, are you considering players who are going to play less than 65 games well i better do it now while i have the chance <laughs> all right that's it for tonight we'll talk to you all soon at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.